Thanks for downloading the Nightcap Series 4, sponsored by Guzborns. More on them later when we grab ourselves a drink. We are so delighted to be back for Series 4. With COVID and all the various challenges the industry has faced in getting things up and running over the last year, we've been gone for way longer than we wanted to. Uh, but nevertheless, we are back with eight more episodes and with some great guests lined up for you. Some of these episodes were recorded at the back end of 2021, some were more recent, but we wanted to leave all the content in there for you to enjoy regardless. Remember, for more content and videos follow us on instagram and twitter at the nightcap underscore pod and very soon we'll be launching our brand new youtube channel where for the first time we'll be putting up every episode of the series for you to watch if you'd rather see our rosy cheeked faces enjoy Welcome to The Nightcap. It's life behind the Michelin star, a late night lock-in here where we candidly discuss and debate all things culinary over a few drinks. Right now, I am sat upstairs at Salt Restaurant in Stratford-upon-Avon, Shakespeare's home, in the heart of Warwickshire. It's about 9.30 at night. Service is wrapping up downstairs. Let me introduce myself and what the hell we're all doing here. I'm Simon Alexander, a podcaster, producer and daytime cooking show contestant. To my left, playing host, Michelin star head chef of Salt, Mr. Paul Foster. How you doing? You all right? Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. And our guest today is group chef director director at the Pig Hotels and Sunday brunch regular is Mr. James Golding. How you doing, buddy? I'm really good. Really Excellent. happy to be here. Yeah, you look you came up glowing from your meal. <laughs> well, I've just had an amazing meal, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Is it your first time here? Yes, it is, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. What did you make? Sparing his blushes, what did you make of the food? What was the uh any standout bits? I mean, absolutely uh, tartar. I mean, you know, I'm a big steak tartare man, and, yeah. and and it was it was absolutely perfect. That dessert, by the way, I've just had. That's why I'm beaming. You know, I love I oh, love the wild the, rice ice cream. Yeah, yeah it's Ooh, nice. really so talk good. us through that yeah, a little really bit. Good. I love um, that sort of so thing. we deep fry the wild rice to like how you would to puff it up, mm. but it gives it this really nutty, cereally taste. So we infuse that into the dairy overnight, oh. and then pass it off and just make a simple ice cream with it. it but it's a real cereally kind of flavour. That's yeah, yeah. with miso toffee, white chocolate mousse, caramelised white chocolate. Wheel, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just a really sort of Moorishy kind of that sounds right, much. Yeah. But, but I think that's what made it for me. So, a lot of people are doing this caramelized white chocolate now, but because you put that crunch in there, yeah, you put the foyotine through it, yeah, yeah. it just makes it takes it to another level and it gives it a real texture, which you don't, it was, yeah, stunning. Oh, we really did. good, really good. good. I loved it. I like, yeah. It just reminded me that during last summer when we did all of our Ask Us Anything podcasts, we were both convinced that you could infuse milk with cereal and sell that yeah <laughs> that is my favorite thing to drink i yeah. think that that is oh, yeah. in essence what you're doing <laughs> love it okay well coming up on today's podcast uh, we're going to be talking to james and paul about uh, hunting killing and preparing animals we're going to be talking about judging food competitions as always we'll take some of your questions you've sent us via the nightcap twitter and instagram pages and we'll do the usual bits boiling point cowboy stories etc etc before we get into that though this is a nightcap once again for series four we are opening a beautiful bottle every episode of Gusborne's finest award-winning english wine uh, you can visit their website now go to gusborne.com see which of their very special vintage releases you might like to purchase and enjoy at home or with free uk mainland delivery no minimum order required t's and c's done what we got mate so we've got you'll be familiar with this i know you've got it on your list i saw it when i was down there so gusborne 
the Pinot Noir. We haven't had this on our oh, list for a while because through lockdown, I sold out so much of their still and it was hard to get. Mm. So we've, um, yeah, this is the 2020 Pinot Noir. I haven't probably drank any for nearly a year. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, absolutely stunning. We have had this on the podcast before, but I've not tried the 2020. So oh, interesting to see. Just the color of that is absolutely stunning, isn't it? Do you have the Pinot Noir on your list? I know you have the, do you have the Blanc de Blanc? You have the <coughs> Guinevere Chardonnay. Yeah, so, so when, when we um, when we opened the uh, Piggy British place we um obviously we were slap bang in the middle of wine British wine country yep. sort of thing so um we gave most of the local Kentish wine producers a little slot in our cellar mm. so so what they could do was they could leave some of their good bottles down there so that when they entertain they could come to the pig at, uh, at bridge so these guys were big uh, supporters of that little yeah idea yeah. but yeah, yeah we, we've, we've we're big like you we're yeah. big fans of Fantastic stuff. stuff. Yeah. yeah, it really is. It's nice stuff. to taste that again. It's yeah, familiar. yeah, familiar, but like, oh, I just love it. Okay, so let's get into our first topic then. Um, hunting, killing, and preparing animals. It, we've touched on bits of these questions, uh, bit, bits of these themes in, in podcasts over the, the last couple of years, but thought it'd be a great opportunity to talk to you, James, about it. And, and that sort of plugged in really well to the sorts of the ethos of the Pick Hotels. To set the context, can you tell us first a bit about sort of the ethos of those kitchens at the, the hotels. How, how many, there's several now, isn't there? Like yeah, eight, so, so we've got eight now, yeah. eight hotels. So yeah, it all began back in, well, for me, it began 2009. So um, I I met Robin Hudson when I was head chef out in Soho House, New York. And we, you know, we worked together for about a year and a half out there and then um, came over to, to the UK and, and we, we sort of lost contact for a bit. And then one day I saw him on the front of, uh, uh, I think it was the business pages of the Times doing, you know, this <laughs> in front of Limewood. You yeah. know? And, I, and I was thinking, oh, I know that guy. And um, anyway, fast forward a bit, we got in contact. I, I ended up becoming head chef at what at the time was called Whitley Ridge, which was a very sort of classic, slightly stuffy um, mm. country house hotel. You know, you go in there, shake the curtains, and you see oh, that little yeah, yeah, sort yeah. of sprinkling dust. Well, <laughs> um, sun, you know, we, yeah. yeah. So, so we operated that for I think it was about a year and a half. What, and then, what attracted you to that place then? If it was little, they just wanted to change tack well, completely, or no? Well, there was a vision. So the vision was obviously to get Limewood open, and then uh, uh, and then do the pig. So, so obviously Limewood five red star luxury. You know, um, um, hotel owned by Jim Ratcliffe, or sorry, Sir Jim Ratcliffe now, and and the idea was to create this luxury beautiful hotel in Lindhurst. So we were in Brockenhurst, which was literally 10 minutes down the road. So we had to be a slight different product. So the idea was that they'd, they'd launch Limewood and then about a year later, I would come along slightly different, you know, guy that had been in London for a lot of time, been yep. in New York, had dreadlocks down to my bum, you know, <laughs> oh, really? I, I had piercings wow. all over my face. And, uh, and, and I think Robin probably thought, yeah, this guy will probably shake up the uh, <laughs> the British uh, hotel country yeah, house. Uh, Actually, so, I saw a photo of the other day. Actually, it was on your social media with dreadlocks, a young face. And yeah, oh, yeah it's my wedding anniversary. That That's yeah, right. Yeah, no, my wedding. Yeah, yeah my wedding. wedding video. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, so my kids. That's a bold look. Too. It is. Yeah, my wife had it as well. I mean, it, <laughs> it was kind of a little bit same, same. Anyway, we won't go into it. Um, it was. Uh, yeah, it was a bowler, but the funny thing was, was I, I, I got the job with, with Robin and yeah, we had this plan and what I was going to do. And then, and then when I, when I got the job, I suddenly, I, I had these dreadlocks for so long. Mm. I thought, I can't honestly, it's getting too much. I've got to shave them off. And I shaved them off. Oh, wow. Um, well, I walked in literally two days later and he's like, what have you done? Were you skinhead? And like I said, proper yeah. I was like, <laughs> I like to shave them off. And he goes, I wanted you to keep those. And I said, well, 
I, I couldn't keep him on forever. I thought, yeah. new, new job, new start. <laughs> I shaved him off. He goes, no. But anyway, it was fine. I grew a Mohican after that. And then <laughs> it, it was all it was So this all is fine. actually, the look we see in front of us is quite mm. toned down from previous. Yeah, this is 12 years after. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> At some point, you got to, but you know, whatever. But uh, it's it, it was it was a great time. And we, we shut it down. They did the refurb. We opened in 2011. And yeah, we're now hotel number eight, but Incredible. we've had a fantastic journey so far. And has the ethos of the food been the same from the very beginning or has that sort of naturally evolved? Because it feels quite distinctive what you've got going on. Yeah, so, so so when I when I came back from the States, um, I mean, I grew up in the Christchurch area, which is on the edge of the New Forest. And, and when I was a child, you know, my my, uh, my family was very into their cooking. My, my mother's or my nonna is Italian and on my dad's side, it's all very English. So I grew up in a family where at the weekends we'd, we'd be with my with my dad and we'd be making very British kind of food, you know, which actually changed actually over the years. But with my nanny, you know, she made like the best pork pie mm. or she'd make the most incredible macaroni cheese, yeah. you know, or so, you know, you know, the things that you used to eat when you were a kid and yeah. you, you can still taste them now and you think this is amazing. But with, with my with my mum, you know, she almost taught my dad like things like how to make pasta. And I remember walking into the kitchen as a child and, you know, all the past like hanging off oh, coat man. hangers all around and oh, I have great. to get involved. I say I had to because it took away from my mega drive playing time. But, <laughs> you know, it, was, it, was, it was one of those things where, you know, I kind of got involved and over the years, you know, you sort of realise that this is all part of your DNA and, and, and what you're you yeah. know, sort of meant to do. And, and for me, it was just like a natural progression. I just loved food and my dad used to take us foraging. Well, I say foraging, we, we'd spend most time whacking each other with sticks while he found these amazing <laughs> But, you know, it was, it was part well, of this. Yeah, mushrooms, was it, that he was picking? Because yeah, that's, yeah. quite, that's quite a specific, like, um, there's, there could be bad, lots of bad ones and the, the distinctions totally. between oh, them yeah. are very small. Right? Yeah, like, I, I think I'm lucky I'm still here. Yeah. Yeah, you've got to know what you're doing, right? Like, well, you the... <laughs> yeah, <that's fine. laughs> but uh, um, no, he he was quite into it, and he, I, I I remember him buying the the Roger Phillips book, which is actually a book that I bought. Actually, no correction, my wife bought me this book at a jumble sale when we were I think we were in Salisbury or something like that, and I was I had a bad day. I had a phone call from somebody that had upset me, and she'd gone and bought me this. Oh, that's sweet. You know th this this book, this foraging book, and um and and. I'll never forget that, you know, Philip actually came to our first book launch. And, and he was a guy that sort of inspired me as a teenager, or sorry, as a, as a chef later in life, remembering my times as a young person foraging to actually get back into foraging. And it was, um, yeah, it was quite a big thing for me. But um, yeah, yeah my, my dad was quite switched on. You know, he was never like masses. We'd find like a few seps or some in caps or, nice. you know, maybe a few rolls, that'd be it. But, oh, you know, he, he, he used to be one of those sort of periods of time where it was a balance between how long he could stay out before we would annoy him so much <laughs> yeah. that we would have to go back to the car <laughs> because right. it was time to go home because you're in trouble. Sort of thing. <laughs> that, was, that was the thing. But. So does the, does the whole foraging thing, because I know like there's practicalities around running a restaurant as well, but do you forage and get that stuff into your kitchen yeah. all the time? Well, how does that, how does so, that so originally when it started, when it was literally me and three hotels, you know, when it was Brockenhurst, Pig on the Beach and, and Pig in the Wall, so we would all do it. So the chefs would be out. So we do obviously mise en place in the morning, lunch service, lunch service would finish and we dedicate an hour and a half every single day to foraging. So wow. you'd have to clean down every head chef, uh, sorry, every chef got issued a pair of wellies, hunter wellies. Oh, nice. And everybody was amazing. out and we'd be That's out. So cool. and, and, and we forage and we go, one day we go through 
the forest, not the new forest. We go obviously to the to the seashore. Um, we go through all sorts of woodlands and we basically collect everything that was in season or available at the time. Nice. As the sort of company evolved and as we got bigger and as chefs got less kind of readily available, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, uh, we, we ended up, um, we, we employed foragers. So in Brockenhurst we had Gary, um, uh, pig on the beach. We we've got Giuseppe that still works for us today. Full, um, that's their full time job. is yeah, to just yeah. look for food. Yeah, you must need it. They're clearly doing like big covers there as we well. Are. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So so we pay them. You know, they they go out, they mm. forage, they have licenses, they have to show us and prove to us they are, you know, accredited. Because you know when you get people like EHO come in, all those sort of guys, they say, you know, where do you get your well stuff from? And if it's not from, say, a company that supplies it, they want to know who it is and, yeah, you know, yeah. how do you know that it's yeah, safe? Yeah, and yeah, you yeah. say, this is a guy and all the rest of it. And um, yeah, so so we have our foragers now and they're great guys and they work really hard for us, yeah. And do they not just forage for on the ground, they hunt as well or no? No, or? no, just, just okay. all, um, no, that's all uh, uh, just forage stuff. I mean, when it comes to hunting, when it comes to our meat, so I, I have a, um, a syndicate that I have. I won't say the name of the estate, but it's it's over near Andover Way, uh-huh. um, near Stockbridge. And um, and the guy who, uh, he used to run my syndicate, but now he's actually just the grounds guy for the estate. He gets all of our, he shoots all of our venison. Mm-hmm. So I took my head chefs out there last week. Yeah, no, okay. week before last. Uh, yeah. I've seen on your social, you like going shooting yourself yes. quite a bit. Yeah. What yeah. sort of things to shoot mainly? Mainly sort of pheasant, partridge, any any sort of wild game that's in season. Yeah. Um, we, we do do deer stalking. Um, I've got my firearms and I, I'm doing my <laughs> oh, um, nice. deer stalking certificates, but it's quite tricky at the moment to sort of find the right estate. So I, yeah. I need to get my uh, qualifications and then I'm also looking into that. But when, when I was a kid, my parents used to work on the Lord Merrick estate. Yeah. So they weren't ever the guns, they were always the beaters. Uh, so, okay. so my first job oh, when wow. I was a kid was to pluck pheasants. So yeah. they used to get paid in pheasants, as you know, when, you know, when you'd be, you know, you, you work all that season to maybe have a, a pop at the end of the, at the end of the season. But sure. nine times out of 10, you might get a, you know, 20 quid and a couple of brace of pheasants. So that was my job. So when I was, I don't know, in my sort of 11, 12, something like that, you know, wow. I used to get 25p a bird. Oh, really? So I used to pit, pluck, <laughs> sorry, um, uh, uh, the pheasants and partridges and, they would all sort of get prepped down and put in the freezer or cooked up depending on mm. you know what we have for dinner and that was our food for the week so Incredible. you know imagine like you know someone that would have a chicken and they they roast a chicken and you'd have the breast and then you'd mm. have the cold cuts and then you'd make the broth and you know that's what it was like for us with game in our house you know the game birds were uh, a week's worth of food for us amazing my parents God, went that's amazing amazing <laughs> bring it so, yeah, so in touch with incredible it. yeah like me growing up in like con- concrete coventry just like that was so far removed from whatever I experienced as well. Yeah, yeah. Microwaves, yeah. Like, so much later into are. it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I'm I'm trying to get into shooting. I've never shot anything. I've just got a gun, actually. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That'll never not sound weird. This is yeah. Only only an air rifle. Because I wanted to practice with that first, learn, and then yeah. step up, and then do my firearms license and things like that, and do get on a state, do some stuff. I wanted to work my way into it. I did get the gun on Instagram. <laughs> I oh, know that sounds dodgy. <laughs> it all sounds like, what did you get? Oh, AK-47. I swapped, <laughs> I swapped it for a book and a knife. That's it, yeah. Did you? Yeah. Oh, wow. There's a guy, a veg supplier when he used to live in Suffolk. He just, he's moving back to Canada yeah. and he put it on. It was an, it's a nice one, as mm. far as I know, like yeah. lovely scope on it and everything. Yeah. I showed it to some people and they said, it's, it's decent. Oh, nice. Yeah. A good few hundred quid. Yeah. And he needed to get rid of it. 
So I said, I'll give you a book and a knife. Wow. Um, yeah, and he, he sent it over in a veg box <laughs> from Suffolk. Nice. He sent it over in a, a violin case. In, 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 the, in the dead of night. Yeah. yeah. And then the, I, two guys in bowler hats <laughs> came out of it. I sent him a book and a knife. Yeah. <laughs> that and is that's a good deal. Cool. It didn't cost that's me a really penny. Cool. And then loads of pellets and that. So I've yet to take it out. I have okay. like, played with it in the yard, just got okay. some cans and stuff. <laughs> Yeah. It's a crazy image of you and I. It's funny, I went, it come and then I took my mum out on the, the Monday for Mother's Day lunch and I said to her, oh, she was just chatting house things, anything new. I said, oh yeah, I got a gun. And she just spat lunch out. She, and I was telling her about it, she's like, don't let Esme and Ethan play with it. Like, You're sort of irresponsible father, do you think I am? Like, let my five-year-old and nine-year-old play. I said, no, I'll keep it at work in the office away. I'm not going to leave it around the house. <laughs> but, but joking aside, we do, we do do these, um, so we do these dates. So, so there's a lot of chefs just like you, Paul, who, who are sort of looking to get into mm. to shooting. Because I think, you know, as, as chefs, we are inherently interested in where our food comes from. Of course, yeah. And, yeah. You know, the whole the whole shooting thing, you know, I, I do this thing within our syndicate where so so I have my days throughout the throughout the year and then at the end of the year it used to be called uh, Rex's Day, who's my son. So his, oh, okay. his birthday is on the 31st of January, which is the last day of the game season. So mm. it was always his day. So I always booked it and we do like this mini driven thing. So basically they, they call it mini driven, but it's basically clear up day. Right. So you basically shoot, whatever you shoot, you might get 10 birds, you might get 50 birds. You know, it depends on yeah. the day. And, and so as he's got older, He's now, I wouldn't say spoilt, but he's, you know, he's been doing this now a very long time. So yeah. for him, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, 16 years old, oh, <laughs> with yeah. dad, <laughs> on my birthday, you know, you know, he wants to be with his mates. He doesn't want to be out yeah. shooting with dad and his friends. So anyway, so so what, what we've done is now that's no longer Rex's day. That's now, um, we call it uh, Young Guns and, and Chef's Day. Oh, okay. So what we do is we get chefs, friends, people who are interested in shooting down, them and their kids. Oh, so, nice. for example, Drew Baker, you know, he's brought his kid, you know, the pe- people that are interested in shooting who want to get their kids or even just show their kids where food comes from. I, yeah, I have this day where, where you come down and it's really laid back, it's really easy, it's really sort of approachable, it's not as sort of stuck up and, you know, kind of sometimes a bit formal as they can be. It's mm. just really relaxed environment. And, um, and yeah, we run this sort of day. So if you want to come, that oh, be great. Oh, definitely, yeah. That you sounds know. a lot far, a lot further away from, like you say, the stuffy, sort of more formal, old-fashioned way of going about things. And there's places like that that still like that. But yeah, I yeah, think yeah. that the whole sort it's of... It's a good way of introducing young people into it yeah. as well. And, and this is more approachable. And this is what's going to make it more approachable, is that, you know, pe- people see it in one way, way you know, the, the, the whole... You know, society see it as one way, and, yeah. and the way that they see it is the very traditional way, and the very sort of way that you know some people would like it to be portrayed. Once you once you understand the countryside, once you understand the countryside community, you see a different way to shooting, and it's yeah. not the way that it's portrayed. And if there was ever, God forbid, a day that it wasn't there, the countryside society would never be the same again, and it wouldn't recover. Mm, right. And um, you know, it, it's not just a way of life; it's also a financial support network for the countryside yes of course yeah i know you sort of grew up with it so it might be a bit different but do you remember shooting an animal for the first time and how that felt 
or was that like a big moment? Was it a bit? I started off the same as Paul. Yeah, I shot a pigeon with an air rifle. Wow. Yeah, I did. So, uh, well, how did that feel? It's, it's, like, it's quite, you know, without like over <coughs> yeah. sort of making it over dramatic. It's not. It's not an everyday thing to kill something. You, you know what? So, it's it's one of those weird feelings that when when you see a bird in the sky, you appreciate a bird, right? And I appreciate a bird in the sky as much as anybody else. I went out this morning and whacked a magpie that was trying to steal an egg out of the out of the little blue tits nest in my back garden. I was so angry. I was sitting there on my computer. I just finished a Zoom call. And I saw him going for it, and I was like, <laughs> so I went outside and I picked my son be messing around with the trowel, and I literally, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't hit it, but I, think I whacked the branch that was right next to it, and it nice. freaked out so much it flew away. So you know, I, it's not that I just want to kill every no, bird. Of course, yeah, but, yeah, but, of course. But yeah. the, I do remember when I when I shot the pigeon, and, and the thing is, is that when you shoot an animal, which is you intend to kill it to eat, mm-hmm. the second that animal dies in your mind it's the same as you picking a chicken off the shelf yes yeah, yeah and yeah. putting it in your basket to yep. take home and cook because point. that has gone from something that was alive mm-hmm. to now something that you're going to cook yep yes yeah. there's a bit more preparation involved absolutely and, and it's that whole thing of people see it pre-packaged in a supermarket yeah. it looks very different when it still yeah. has feathers and its so, eyes open yeah you know, so, so the... I, I asked the same question to my daughter so my daughter shot her first pheasant this last season and mm-hmm. she's been shooting for a while mm-hmm. but um I, I think there's a certain amount of hesitancy there or whatever it was but anyway she she's had a great season and she shot a, one the first time she shot pheasants I said so you know how do you feel darling you're okay I said yeah she said I'm fine dad she said I'm gonna take it home we're going to pluck it as we always do because they have the same job as I had yeah. you have to pluck all the pheasants <laughs> pluck and, um, your own pheasants like, yeah but yeah you kill it you pluck it you cook it and um and and um and yeah so she um how she, old is she 13 13 nice. I mean my son's been shooting since he was eight. Oh right and he's very good he's yeah a very very good shot but um <laughs> but yeah he puts me in it's the like same. Y- it's like it's young the same. it's like it's better skier it's better shooter you know <laughs> it's, it's like the... I, I don't even bother competing with him yeah. <laughs> it's, the, it's the youthful reaction yeah. time isn't it, it you is. just can't buy you that s- you suddenly feel old <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but no I, I think you know going back to your question I think yeah it, it becomes food and I think that that's what that's what eating meat is about. You know, the fact of the matter is, is that it goes from being an animal, which you respect because it's alive, because it's, it, it, you know, it, it's, it's, it is what it is. And then at, one, at some point it dies and then it becomes food. And I think that, you know, that, that's part of life. And, and you, you accept that and you say, this is how I live and I eat meat or you yeah. don't and you do the V thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever, whatever works. Do, does it like cross your mind to- not care about it that sounds a bit too sort of throwaway but like do you think it'll be a big deal when you come to no I don't think so at all no I don't I don't think so I remember the only things I've ever killed you know lobster crab those sort of things Uh, and I remember the first time I did that when I was I think 17 in the kitchen and like an excited teenager acting like a twat and (laughs) messing about with it Um, but I do remember thinking oh killed that but I was very quickly not bothered by it sure and then I I I, I don't have any issues about it at all mm. no you know the amount of dead whole animals and yeah, the whole exactly. deers I've had on my chopping board and exactly. you know I see them in the you know they're feathered and furred state mm. yeah. so you know it's not like it's I'm not used to that mm. at sure. all so no I don't, I don't it, think it's interesting though that a lot of chefs even like I say even to your standard but like a lot of chefs have gone this far in their careers they've never killed anything and which it's all mm. in proportion to how many animals they've butchered and yeah, prepared yeah. 
it's, it's sort of yeah, like, it's even, something I've said for years I've wanted to do I've just never mm-hmm. really known people or really taken the time and now I've just thought well I'm going to just start making an effort gradually get yeah. into it yeah. yeah I don't want to just go out and buy a rifle and get a firearms license I want to ease my way into it and mm. yeah it, it sounds like a bit of a cliche but is there um, an extra element of appreciation from the of the animal when you're butchering it after you've you know you, yeah I mean absolutely I mean yeah th- I mean this is kind of the basis of our philosophy at the pig I mean you know that the whole thing with even like the kitchen garden you know the, re- the reason why we had the kitchen garden was because we believed that the chefs would have more respect for products that they've been out and seen grown in the garden and spoken to the, the people that have harvested it and actually brought it to them you know in in the in the kitchen mm-hmm. you know which would give them more and it does you know it makes them realize you know not mm. to you, know, you don't chop the ends off the carrot and leave an inch on the end. You know, you don't leave your salad outside in the sunshine till it wilts and then bring it in and put it in the sink. You know, it's, it, it gives them a sort of a, a bit more of respect. And I think, you know, the same goes for me. I mean, if, if you if you have taken your time, I mean, anybody that's been deer stalking, hmm. anybody will know that if you shoot a deer, <laughs> you're going to use every single inch of that animal because... Uh-huh. It's one of the most exhilarating and frustrating things you'll ever do. Yeah, I bet because mm. the size of them and stuff, well, and the and the patience. Wait hours and hours. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I I sat in a hide two weeks ago. So I had I had uh, my head chef from from uh, Brockenhurst. I had my regional head chef and uh, one of my sous chefs. And we all went out with with our with our uh, venison, our, our deer stalker. Jim. And out of all of us, I was the only one that didn't shoot a deer. I mean, I've <laughs> shot a deer before, so it's fine, but these guys hadn't. But out of everybody, you know, they all shot a deer. One of them got a muntjac and the other two got a fallow each. How does the oh, etiquette work in that situation? Are you together and then do you take, if there's a deer, do you decide who? <coughs> no, so, so, so within, within, deer stalking, within deer stalking, <laughs> it's very different. I mean, the yeah. etiquette within, within, within bird shooting is you're obviously pegged out, you're in a line, yeah. you know, you, you have your 10 till two and you only get what comes into your sort of, yeah. you know, that imaginary, uh, that imaginary line because otherwise you're crossing over people's lines. But within deer stalking, you're, you're sent to different locations on the estate because uh, you're okay. using different bullets. I mean, you know, within a shotgun cartridge, you have obviously you've got your ignition, you've got your uh, wad, which is what pushes the, the pellets out. And then you've got, depending on the size of the pellet, between sort of, I don't know, 25 to 30 pellets which will then you know cause a pattern which would then hit the bird and bring it down whereas you know when you're deer stalking you've literally got a, a bullet you know, the sniper a, the sniper that's 308 right, yeah 308 or 6.5 millimeter creedmoor or whatever it is and this is a big old beast that if you do not have the right trajectory of God, that see, bullet that scares then me I'll get it wrong and, just and that's it, you know, but that's why it's so, so frustrating scared. is you can't get it wrong yeah. so so for example when we were out stalking the other week we spent ages sitting in this hide and nothing was happening well actually it was I, I was looking down my scope and I could see two fallow about 200 yards it was far too far I couldn't mm. take the shot Yeah. and um, and so we, we came out the hide and we started walking around the estate and, and have you ever heard of Monk Jack? yeah so it's like, oh, 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 oh. So really? like dogs, yeah. yeah. Like, oh, oh. And, and you walk past, you'd be like, jeez, there's a dog in there. And I'm like, no, no, it's a monk. Okay, so so anyway, so you hear it rustling around and you know, it runs off. And then we, we come around this corner. And, and as we come around the corner, the, the, the guy who I'm with, the qualified deer stalker, he stands there and he looks out and he goes, can I swear? Of course you can, yeah. He goes, Jesus he Christ. Goes, fuck <laughs> and I go what he goes that <laughs> and we look out in the middle of the field and there's two stags with oh. about 
five to eight beautiful does behind, all stood there on the horizon, oh, just wow. looking at us like this. Uh-huh. And we're like, oh. And they went, bosh, gone. Oh, no. yeah. <laughs> so, oh, so they smell you before you even see them. Oh, cool. so, so, so because because we didn't, there's no way they'd all be stood in the middle of the field. Yeah. And literally as we came around the corner, they were just right there, what we've been waiting <laughs> for the whole time. Oh. And they literally just went, and they were gone wow. and that was it we just thought that's it we're done God, that, wow. but it's that sort of elusive nature that makes it yeah. sort of like so yeah. Yeah. rewarding yeah, almost exactly. like yeah incredible but, yeah. so through, through that through them butchering it appreciating it wanting to use every morsel of it are there any cuts or bits of meats that you actually maybe the more underrated parts of the animals that you have come across that you think, actually do you know what these bits don't get used enough or because well, shoulder and haunches are always uh, overlooked uh, you know, it's yeah. always a loin isn't it and the why, why is that and loin a lot. well the, the, the saddle loin, the loin yeah. it's so much easier to cook it's, it's lean take the sinew off the top you just pan fry it it's it's easy it's, it's the premium one mm-hmm. um if you just if you just take off the haunch and just cut through it, it's almost like a rump steak. You get yeah. so many different muscles, all the fibers go in different ways. It'd be tough, but if you seam bone it out, yeah. like take the muscles out and use the individual muscles, it's mm. a beautiful piece of meat. But it takes a lot more skill than cooking them, preparing the saddle. And it's only because of that that they're not as popular for places because it's just more time to prep. Yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, and the, the traditional fine dining, it, you know, the saddle. It, it's uniform, consistent, yeah. and oh, stuff. It's such a shallow it's thought, though, isn't it? That? Yeah, we use both. I used to get a lot of haunching for tartar, and I'd seam bone it all out, yeah. break it all down, and we'd tartar it. It was beautiful tartar. Yeah. Yeah. Like, normally you wouldn't see that because people wouldn't take that time to seam bone and take all the sinew out between yeah. each one. Mm-hmm. But now it's lovely. Yeah, yeah. Ven- yeah we used to vegetable haunch. We used to do it with celeriac and crab apple, which was really good. Oh. But the, um, the, the the biggest thing that I find is that when you when you go on shoots, usually they'll do you a hot meal at the end of the day. Oh, yeah. So if you've been stood out in the field, you know, waiting for these birds to come over and you're toes are like frozen yeah. solid at the end of the day you get you get back to the hunt lodge and, and they go here's a bowl or something You're like oh thank god yeah, yeah. so so what they tend to do is back in the day they always used to give you pheasant you'd be like not again honestly anyone else <laughs> and, and and what what they used to do now is they serve you braised haunch or you know like uh, um, yeah. a stewed haunch of venison mm. and and that you know for me like big chunks of carrot in it oh, lovely, lovely big you know oh, onions and, but and sometimes and, they're the best bits in the yeah, stew yeah yeah, yeah exactly up all the so, yeah. And carrot and stuff, so yeah. so that that for me is the best you know when yeah. when you get like a bowl of that and a nice big bit of bread and Love it. Just because I've spoken to loads of different people at deer stock and it's like quite divided. Do you head shoot or heart shoot? So the, the rule of thumb is that it depends one, how confident you are, two, okay. how far away you are. Because you've got to be sharp to head shoot, yeah. You've got to be good. So if, if, you are, if you're over 100 yards away, you should never attempt to head shot. Okay. Because if you take its chin off. Yeah, oh. and then it yeah. runs off. And, and, and also if, if you... And because they still, if they move... The head, they're, they're not moving there. Exactly. Is that so, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so for, I, I belong to a, a, a gun club called the Tunnel down mm. in, in West Dorset. So, so I shoot on the hundred meter range down there. I shoot on the thirty-five meter range. I'm, I'm always down there with my three hundred eight or, or any of my rifles practicing because it's one thing being able to go down to a target shoot and, and yeah. sit there, put your target out and go blah, blah, blah. But when you're in a field and, and you're dealing with an animal that if it moves at the wrong second and you hit it, say say you're say you're going for the head mm. and you, you it moves and you get it in the back of the neck. Uh, yeah. 
then that's running and you've got a wounded animal. If you go if you go for the heart, then even if it moves, you're still going to get it through the... You know, you're still going to get it in a place where it's, not it's probably not like, going to go too uh, far before okay. it goes down. So, so, so what they say is, you know, if, if, you're, if you're not really that experienced, you should always go for a heart shot. But obviously, if you do go for a heart shot, you're going to lose... You know more meat. So from of a course. chef's point of view, we always want the headshot. I'm, stre- I'm stressed just thinking about. So stressed. But you know, yeah, for, yeah. For, for me, if say for example, I was in a hide at 50, 50 yards or fifty meters, even probably. Yeah. And and it came out right in front of me, and I was sitting there. I'd go for that. Uh, okay. But if if I wasn't, I would always go for. Uh-huh. Um, when uh, we've got so much ground to cover, I want to make sure we get it through. But one of the last uh, sort of questions that I had on on this subject was: Are there any, not necessarily cuts, but even animals that you don't believe are getting enough attention, or we should be bringing onto menus more often in in, in the whole in this country? Are there any munjack? Yeah, Munjack's massive. Yeah. I mean, I remember talking. There's no season for Munjack. Is there, there? isn't. It's all year round. Oh, that's a great point. It's all year yeah. round, and it's one of the biggest <laughs> menaces yeah. on the planet. Yeah. Um, there I, so many when I lived in Suffolk, just everywhere. Well, that's it. I think, but that's a bit of a misunderstood thing about deer and Munjack, isn't it? About how they like they would breed like rabbits if they weren't properly. Is that right? Like they'd yeah, be a yeah, they, not, no, it'd be a nightmare. They, they would run no, rabbits. They do. So, 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 so during lock, yeah, deer have no natural predator throughout lockdown. They multiplied so much that now we are in a real problem. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. And well, they, they driving, can driving up the environment. Yeah. I saw five on the side of the road. Mandrakes. That's mm. crazy. I had no idea that. Because, yeah, and it's a real trap. It's like 80% to, uh, of deer meat goes to the restaurant industry. Right. Restaurants were closed. Course, so it yeah. just wasn't going it's anywhere. Obvious, yeah. So they're just multiplying and multiplying. No yeah. predator. They've kind of destroyed right. a natural yeah. environment. Like, so yeah. Muntjac yeah. and deer, get them on the menu. Muntjac, I think you go on. I mean, I used to love rabbit, mm. but um, a lot of the rabbits that we get now, um, you know, they suffer quite badly from myxomatosis, so we can't use them much anymore. Right. I, I love heard that for a while, myxomatosis. Yeah, it comes in the New Forest and Hampshire, Dorset, where it comes out quite bad, oh, especially when you get that loads of rain, then it gets really hot and then loads of rain. Oh, okay. You see a lot of uh, rabbits. Bit sort of wandering around. Um, the, oh, uh, the hair, I love hair. I love hair. It's yeah. something I've that ever you don't see a lot of. I, my, my wife has a, has a meat business in Cranbourne um, called From Salt to Smoke, and um, <laughs> she, uh, she she actually the the Lord Lord Cranbourne shoots a lot of hair, and when they get them, um, uh, we we get those at home. They are I love it. it That's it's great. It's, I, I'm not a massive fan of rabbit. I sometimes find it a bit too kind of near. When you compare but, the two, hair wins yeah, every yeah. day. Exactly. Yeah. If you're going to eat something like a rabbit, you're going to eat a hair. Mm-hmm. And um, I say yeah. a funny story about a hair. Go on. Yeah. 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 So so I when when, when uh, I first met um, when I first saw I was introduced to the Cranbourne Estate, I went up to meet the, the our next door neighbour, our next door neighbour who was making cheese. His name's Peter from Book and Bucket Cheese Company, and he makes the most incredible cheese. So I drove down there to see him, and as I was driving down the the lane there, this hair literally jumped out in front of me, and I hit it with my truck. Wow. And and <clears throat> I looked in my rearview mirror, and it's running up the road behind me. So the guy who we were with, um, we got to the place. And he said, um, "I said, do you see that? I hit that hair." He goes, "Yeah." He said, "It'd be dead on the road when when we go back up." He said, "It's just sort of, you know, it's just nervous twitching." Mm. I said, "Okay, fine." I said, "Can I have it?" He said, "Yeah, yeah." He said, "We'll pick it up." So anyway, so we did the cheese tour and all that sort of stuff. I ate far too much cheese as I always do when I go to <laughs> producer visits. And um, and and so so we got back in the car. Sure enough, it was there, laid up on the side of the road. So I pulled over. I put it in the back. 
and I went home and it was back when we, you know, we had all those winds and, and we lost like loads of trees and loads of trees and loads of fences anyway. So I got home, we had this garage in the back garden and I strung it up in my garage and we had a next door neighbor who was a bit of a, <laughs> bit of an idiot. <laughs> he, uh, he, he, he basically, his, his fence had fallen down in the winds, right? But for whatever reason, it got mixed up and thought it was our fence. So anyway, so right. he comes strolling into my garden unannounced. Excuse me, mate. We talk about your fence, yeah, because your fence's gone down, and and you know I'm not paying for get this sorted. You've got to get it sorted. I'm like, listen, mate, it's your fence. Don't be an idiot. And I opened up the door, and there's this hair right hanging yeah, from 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 the thing. I said, no, carry on talking, mate. You're coming in, and, and, and I start opening up this oh, hair. No way. <laughs> and, and I'm like, <laughs> and I've already bled it out, so I've chopped its arms. Like oh. severed at the wrist and I bled out overnight because the cups broke so that I had the blood because I want to do jugs hair so you obviously oh, nice. thicken so so it was cold yeah so so anyway so so he's standing there oh, looking at me God. like over it so he goes no no <laughs> actually um, no no we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. you you say busy so we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it another day I said no you carry on come on mate we're going to talk about it now we've got to sort it out I said by the way it's your fence right? and you need to get it sorted out because I've got kids in here right? and he's like yeah yeah I'll get it sorted out <laughs> and he left oh, right? and I thought brilliant but that sums it up that is all brilliant. I'm doing is, is prepping my dinner I know I know that is incredible <laughs> Absolutely love that. Great to uh, to end that topic on. Um, I want to squeeze in a little bit of chat about uh, judging competitions because we've talked about a little bit over previous podcasts because a lot of our chefs have obviously judged competitions. Um, I believe you are you've been a judge at the Taste, the Great Taste Awards. Yeah, yeah, I'm. um, Yeah, I'm Golden Fork Judge at the Great Taste Awards. Fantastic. And I'm also a World Cheese. Oh, yeah, I love Oh, yeah, I remember you saying about that, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Lovely. Yeah. That My is... worst nightmare, that Yeah, guy. not yeah. a big cheese guy. Don't eat cheese. Really. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I get that look. I'm used <laughs> yeah. yeah. to it now, 39 yeah. years. Yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah. my first question on this, I guess for both of you, because I know you judge stuff as well, like, yeah. what are you actually, when you're going into it, are you actually thinking about it any more than when you just go to a restaurant to enjoy food? Are you like, you know, are you trying to... Uh, dissect things on your tongue like making sure you're not drinking coffee and stuff in the day to get your pet like are you, do you take it like do you have to do that sort of stuff well, for me really? for me when I when I do it I mean like the thing is because it's because it's blind tasting you don't know who it is you don't know where it's come from any of that so you just have to take it on face value yeah I mean you kind of have to hope that you haven't been really ill yeah, yeah, yeah. Or heavy <laughs> night the night before I mean you know you have to be relatively sensible course, but, um, yeah. you know I, I it's a weird one because with the great taste awards because I mean, I'm so busy that I tend to only, you know, quite rudely, I tend to only do that final judging thing if I, you know, when I get invited, which I'm honoured to be. Mm-hmm. But it's um, it's one of those things where, by the time it gets to me, you know, it's gone through so many different palettes. So it's had uh, to go okay. from from zero to one star, one star to two star, two star to three star, three star to us. Mm. And you know that you know, bearing in mind, there's so many different people that have tried mm-hmm. that product over and over and over again before it gets to us. You have to one realize that that is it's obviously great because it wouldn't be there if it wasn't. But at the same time, you know, it, it's a matter of opinion. I mean, you know, some some products split the room. I mean, I had one. Do they? Of, yeah, I had one of the best. I mean, I am an anchovy man. I come yeah. from Italian descent. Yeah, of course. You, yeah. you know, yeah. any 
we'll talk about gout in a minute. But anyway, <laughs> I, 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 I've been cursed. I've been cursed by the anchovy god. But sure. anyway, so, so, so anchovies are something that I love. It's something I've grown up with. One of my earliest memories of food is eating anchovies with my nonna in the back of the car after wow, she just landed from Italy. You know, That's and, insane. And, um, and, and this anchovy split the room. It was me. I remember it was me, Drew Baker, Jose Pizarro. Who else was there? Xanthi Clay. Anyway, we're all in this room and we all love the anchovy and everybody else was a bit, oh, I don't know. So you got it, you know, you hold up the cards mm. and we're all there, fine, fine, you know, whatever, it's top marks. And um, and it really split the room. I think in the end, I think it won. Really? Oh, wow. I think it did. Oh, the, yeah, great. Yeah, the anchovy won it, but it was a real kind of like- Really divisive. Um, yeah, yeah, really divisive. But do you, do you feel like, do you taste the food in front of the people that cooked it? No. Oh, oh yeah, in front of the people who cooked it, but not yeah. the people that produce it. It's not about the people that cooked it. It's about the people who produce it. Ah, oh, right. Ah, oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. So what do you? Yeah. What is it like? Just a fun day because it just sounds fun, or is it a bit stressful because there's a lot on the line with it? Like I mean, it, it depends on if you like that. I mean, I love that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. you know, you do a lot of pieces to camera. You do a lot of kind of you know, there's a lot of filming involved, a lot of asking your opinion, which I really really love. Uh-huh. Um, I think I think most people that get invited to that day are usually people that are quite good chat. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? yeah. But um, uh, but yeah, it, you know, at that point it's really good. I mean, I'm actually trying to get my kids involved in the whole thing mm. because ah, they're nice. trying to get more young people involved because it's becoming quite a sort of you know slightly older palette, which is mm. fine. But you know, if we look back now at the, the different sort of food trends that are coming through and all the rest of it. You know, um, uh, it, it's Torsi and uh, Jay Fran that, that run the, the, the awards and, and all the rest of it. So, mm. you know, I was chatting to them um, when we were in Spain and, um, and yeah, they're looking at, you know, getting more young people involved. I think it's really yeah, good. That makes yeah, sense. That's what we need now. Yeah. We need more, you know, those young definitely, people coming through. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Younger parents. Obviously, like though, these competitions are massive because they act as a big marketing tool or like a leg up for people in the industry to like move on because they're real badges of honor, aren't yeah, they? Especially great taste like, awards. Like you, yeah. people recognize that badge, whether it's cheese, charcuterie, whatever it is, people recognize that badge straight away. Don't sure. they? It's, you know, as a producer, I'm sure they're proud yeah. to put it on their um, put it on their product. Do you enjoy judging food competitions? I do. Yeah, I've only ever judged chef competitions, yeah. Um, but yeah, I do. It's it's nice because I because I've done loads of chef competitions yeah, as a youngster, years, yeah. so I know how they're feeling. And I remember judging. I mean, some of the judges were sorry when I was cooking. Some of the judges were so old school, dismissive. Yeah, um, <laughs> they wouldn't ever appreciate anything new that you're trying to do. Not wacky, but you know things moving on. It was just this this stubbornness. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I always vowed that if I was ever a judge that. I would have more of an open yeah, mind and just trying to appreciate what they're trying to do as long as it's, you know, not technically well done, executed, season mm. well. You know, I know I really enjoy it and it's great when you see young chef do something really well and just how they buzz from it yeah, and you yeah. give them that feedback. Yeah. You know, I've judged, oh, sure. really proud, judged the National Chef of the Year up to the semi-final stage generally. Don't mm. let me do the finals. Interesting. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, really proud to have done that. Um, and then local competitions as well. The British Culinary Federation Young Chef of the Year did that with Glyn recently. Oh, done it nice. a couple of times. And it's nice. I really like the Young Chef ones because yeah. yeah. they, they get a lot more out of it. And I really encourage any <clears throat> Young Chef to try and do it because it's so good for your confidence and networking. You know, it's not all about winning it. It's about going in there. Mm. And yeah, we're all competitive and you want to win, of course. But you learn so much from it and mm. you get so much from it. And you meet guys you, know, you yeah. wouldn't necessarily bump into yeah. and getting the feedback 
Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's a, I think it's a really positive thing. What like the what's like the advice you give to people that are entering those competitions? Or are there like common mistakes that keep almost oh, happening God, at those yeah. sorts of like, things? It's you think? amazing. You probably see this. Amazing people who don't fucking season. Like, really? Yeah, like just because they've forgotten because they're nervous. I think or... maybe yeah, a bit really? nervous, a bit forgetful, or they're just like not tasting their own food. Right. And you know, any competition I'm doing, if you you know. If it's good produce, you execute it well and it's seasoned well, you're going to be in with a good chance mm-hmm. of winning, really. You know, all the, the faff yeah, comes yeah. after and that's extra points afterwards. It's like, that's that's what you focus on. Yeah. I mean, I, I obviously judged that um, uh, Young Chef of the Year with um, uh, Paul Lainsworth and all that. Ah, um, uh, yes. Yeah, the national one. Yeah. yeah, with um, Jockey and all those guys. And one day, it was, it was oh, no, Just the final Young Chef, I think, once. <laughs> yeah, it, it, was, it, it, was, it was the first year that I'd ever done it because I, I always do... Um, so I'm heavily involved with the Royal Academy of Culinary Arts, so I do a lot of stuff with you know, um, Animals of Excellence and and, um, and all that sort of stuff. So it's the first year I've done it and it was a complete eye-opener for me mm. and it was an incredible event and, and, I, and I loved it. But going back to what you were saying about that, you know, every year I judge the Specialised Chef course, which is something that I was, I was a spec chef and it's something that, you know, as a young person, it's a course that you can come on to and you're chosen out of however many hundred people apply and you're put into these incredible places in London <laughs> and all around the sort of country to, to, to train for, back in my day it was four years, but now I think it's three years with, with the guys that I take on. But, you know, these, these kids that, you, you know, you have, that, you're, that you're, you've come down to, you know, to judge. So they hold the, um, uh, the final exam at Bournemouth and Paul College. It's a big old day, six hours worth of cooking. Wow. But, but going back to what you were saying, you know, I, I've been stood in a room where it's me, Adam Byatt, John Williams, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, like the, there's a group of chefs, uh, Martin Nail, yeah. you know, we've all stood there and, um, and, and, and we'd be like, right, can't wait for this. Yeah. And it was like, I'm starving. <laughs> so hungry. And it come out. And bear in mind, these, these kids have cooked in some of the best restaurants and hotels, <laughs> arguably in the country, you know, yeah. the Ritz, blah, 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 blah. And they come out and they go, Oh, that looks raw. Oh, no, <laughs> really? Oh, that doesn't look seasoned. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, God damn it, like, what is going on? <laughs> That's you, not you, why you, I'm you, here. No, exactly. You're feeling so sorry for it. But, but, you know, usually it turns out okay, like nine turns out of ten. And bearing in mind, it's not a competition at the level that we're talking about. This is an exam for their, mm. you know, something that they've been, their, their mm. diploma that they've been working for. Sure, so, yeah. so, so, you know, not all of them, by the way. It's only no, one of course. Two, but, yeah, but, you know, it's... The pressure it, gets it, to people. It, it is. It's yeah. the pressure. And if you think about that on an exam, you know, put that into a competition <laughs> where, you know, yes, okay, this is an exam, but within a competition, you know, you're there with your peers and you're there, you know, in front of, you know some of the best chefs oh, in the country yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy pressure it's like and um you know you just think no wonder you forgot the salt i mean you're lucky you're having to put yeah. your pants on that morning i mean it's <laughs> yeah, i know because some, some yeah. of the lineup judges i remember one of the first ones i was like honored to judge it was um it was the semi-final of the national chef of the year and it was up in sheffield and like judging it was like mark Sargent, phil howard um sat baines um and a few other guys of that, and I, you know, I was at Tunnel Mill, I was probably, what, 30, worked in stuff, I'd worked in good places, but never, I'd been a head chef a couple of years, never yeah, yeah. achieved anything of my own. Mm. Yeah. I, was just, I felt like a fraud. But, <laughs> and I like, yeah. genuinely Imposter, did. Imposter like, syndrome, isn't it? That's what yeah, it is. Yeah, so I thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. why, why am I here? Like, yeah. <laughs> genuinely did, but, like, the stat, there was about 12 chefs, like, free course meal, 
and three or four like real standout ones and some that were just really really bad and like one guy served his dessert first and like you just like, you serve <laughs> it like you're in a restaurant you serve starts and main dessert yeah. and I remember I stood there with Phil Howard and like we were waiting for this dish to come out and he was late anyway yeah. and we were like that looks like chocolate that- <laughs> <laughs> that's his dessert and Phil was fuming right like, absolutely oh, fuming he's like, just him. just don't do that I remember I, I drove back down on the way after and i phone phone sat and i was like like talking about some of the things and he was like well if you're gonna slag it i'll fucking enter it next year like, <laughs> <laughs> so i did and i came second i didn't win it in the final yeah, but yeah that's good that's amazing <laughs> oh mate amazing okay right let's uh let's go to a couple of questions that we got through from my instagram and twitter pages got one here from chef watts on instagram who says what's one thing that has permanently changed for you since lockdowns, and that could be work or home. So, good, good question. Anything that in work or at home that's changed permanently? Because at work, stuff has. We've streamlined the business a bit more. We only open four days a week now, which is great. <laughs> yeah, dream. Fucking great. Fortunately, the business still works. Because like, <laughs> that was obviously the concern. Like, yeah. how are we going to pay? Um, and it's, to be honest, it works better. The business model is better. And that was because of lockdown. You um, I, it was always in my mind to do. Sure. But it, it was like a, yeah. forced it and I would like took the risk like let's have a go mm-hmm. and I'd, it was only used to be open like Wednesday to Saturday lunch dinner and then Sunday lunch Sunday lunch wasn't a great revenue spinner for us anyway so I knocked that on the head so everyone got three days off solid right. and even like you know the you know if we're short staff no one's going to be called in because we're closed so mm-hmm. um, yeah that's changed and then yeah the working hours are a bit better for the guys um, yeah, the menu's more streamlined. So in that, it's, it, there's a lot of positives. So I'm going to take tables after half eight now. Wow. Like, because it's taste the menu only yeah, a dinner. Yeah, of course. So it's going to be in for a long the, time. The, the, night, the, light, the night was late. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, just those those little things that sort of forced decisions. Yeah, it's and it has it's been it a refreshing thing in some ways. It's sort of forced change, like you say, it's forced change, and that's not been a bad thing because we've had to sort of adjust, but sure, for yeah. the better in some ways. Better staff retention as well, I'm sure now. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like like two of my guys, so Laura, and um, who's on the front tonight. She's my head chef. She's been yeah. here five years, and. And Gibbo as well, the big lad there, he, he's been here since day one as well. And yeah. they, they probably wouldn't have stayed if we'd had that Sunday, because the Sunday shift was horrible. Mm. There was only us three in the kitchen for a couple of years and it was, it was yeah, pretty savage right. times. Yeah. And now, yeah. you know, we're much more rounded. But personally, yeah, just more time for myself. Like, yeah, yeah right. I just do. I just take, like, I just sort of laugh last night. It's like, yeah, yeah. yeah, it doesn't need to be here. So I'll go home and just be on my own. Yeah, nice. Like, yeah, loads of, loads of me time. It's yeah. great, yeah. yeah. Great. Just go home on my own and just... Yeah, listen to music and drink whiskey. <laughs> That's yeah. 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 yeah, pretty much. What, what about you, James? Is there any uh, uh, any big changes because of lockdowns? Yeah, I had a baby. Not personally, oh, my wow. wife. But, and that was because of lockdown. Just, just before <laughs> lockdown, oh, we right. had a. Um, uh, yeah, well, apart from that, um, oh, was we, that an, was that intense then being on a full lockdown with a newborn, or was that to make it easier? So easy. Yeah. Honestly, with with third baby in, we've got two oh, teenagers. Piece we of piss them now. off to yeah, yeah. no, it was, it was pretty tough. But, um, <laughs> but, but uh, we, well, you know what, you know what changed. Is I when, when we locked down, I bought a Komodo barbecue. Right? right, it wasn't like a big green egg or anything like that. It was literally one of these Japanese black things that was sent over from from wherever it came mm-hmm. from, and I put it in the back garden. 
and that was what kept me going in in lockdown. I just oh, really, but I uh, so so after after I um, worked in New York, I went out to live in Arizona where my wife's from, and um, I got really into like my curing and smoking and air drying and wow. barbecuing, and and it was something that I'd really forgotten about for mm. for so many years because I've been so focused on my British sustainable <laughs> foraging, yeah. you know, yeah, like shit, that, all, model, all that sort yeah. of thing that, that I just really kind of forgot about that side of of life and. I bought this um, this Komodo grill and that's all I did, man. I just really? I just bought the best meat I could get during lockdown and I just did slow and low. I did, you know, Nando's wow. every other night. I did, you oh, know, nice. and, and, and it just... Wow. I, I did what a dad. Little, Imagine this guy. You were 16. You're like, what's the... Oh, he's just doing Nando's outside. What's your dad doing? Oh, fuck. Oh, yeah, but they still go... <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, mate. You just can't win, can you? <laughs> Stab you in the face with that bone. No, no, I wouldn't. I would never do that. <laughs> but this. But you know, it, it, yeah, and I think that's what I, I just really enjoyed it, you know, and, and I and I had great fun, and I, I reconnected with like Sam and Shauna and DJ Barbecue, you know, we'd oh, be party wow. together at the Abergavenny Food Festival, oh, that's cool. like a couple of years before, and yeah, it was just you know, it sort of kept me going. That's what kept me going during lockdown, and then when when we did lockdown, obviously, you know, things don't stop because of lockdown at work. So we did. Um, two hey, weeks. well, you could tell work that technically you were upskilling. By doing your barbecuing. I'll down. phone you next time. Yeah. <laughs> if ever this happens again, you can write me a letter. But no, no, you know, I think you know when you're in a certain, you know, it's when it's when it's part of your life. It's 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 uh, anyway. So we did two weeks at the pig, and two weeks at home, which was quite fun for the kids. I mean, imagine wow. living two weeks at the pig wow. every every other. Yeah. You know, so so once a month you go spend two weeks, and oh. they were there doing their work. Dad, we're just going down the garden. Okay, so go down the garden, they wow. pick their dinner. Oh, we'd then be in the kitchen, we'd all what be cooking life. together. And that's, that's beautiful. I stayed there recently and it's fucking stunning. Yeah, you loved yeah, it. Absolutely yeah, lovely. Which room were they in? Uh, no, we, <laughs> we, weren't, we weren't in Bert's box. We were in the stables. You know, uh, you know yes. Yeah, yeah, so, nice. so as you look at the stables, stable. as, as you look at the stables, we, were in the, we had the whole top floor there. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. When Heston came, we had the room beneath us. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> Too small for us. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, weirdly that you brought up Heston, because our next question comes from David, who says, who would win in a fight, Heston or Gordon? Now. Go Do on. you know who would win, Paul? It's, it's an easy one. Uh, well, the, the, everyone would go for Gordon, but, but I know Heston has some kind of history, but so, I only know a little bit about so, it. So Heston used to be a kickboxer? Yes, that was oh, it. That was it. But the last time I saw Heston, right, he just had an operation, and I said, what have you done to your hip? He said, I've had an operation because I've spent all my, year, all my life kickboxing, <laughs> and I've messed up my hip, really? and I've had to have a... An operation on my hip because oh, like, because he apparently broke he broke some part of his mm. foot when he was kickboxing yeah. and he 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 was thrown off by something like a quarter of an inch. He spent his whole life oh. walking funny and it wore away his hip. So when I saw him at a Royal Academy event, he stood up and he did this big old speech and he was on crutches. No and obviously, way. me being me, I had a couple. I was like, <laughs> "Hi, what have you done?" And he told me all about it. So. Oh, that's oh, but yeah. so he's got the experience, but he's got a sort of a long-lasting injury. Yeah. The, the one thing, not that I uh, care about this still question, his crutches, like that's a, he can have that tall. <laughs> if he could turn them into nunchucks. Yeah. Well, this is actually this is a big thing. He's a lot shorter than Gordon. He is. Yes. I, 
I, I reckon Gordon would win. Yeah. I mean, the, the, I know that, that aggression's still in there, isn't it? In yeah. a way. Oh, he's, God, he, yeah. Have you seen his new TV he, show? Yeah. Yeah. And he's fit. He's always yeah, been yeah. fit, isn't he? Yeah. You'd knock him down and get up again, I think. Yeah. yeah, every time it'd be like Apollo. Yeah. Everyone looks. Fit. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone looks fit if your t-shirts are that tight, though, right? I yeah. mean, they are ridiculous. This is insane. Okay, I think I think probably I'm going Gordon. Yeah, I think I just think, I think, uh, I think just the rage. I think it's the extra element of rage. I mean, we need we need them to have a white collar boxing match <laughs> yes, to, to settle the question. Uh, cool. Last one here from Will, who says, uh, "What dirty food do you love to eat at home, but think you'd get judged for for omitting it?" Uh, you, well, you Too know many. Me. Oh, it's yours. Your super yeah. noodle sandwich. Super noodle sandwiches. Super noodle sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've well, spoken about it on the pod before. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> when was the last time you had a super? I noodle? haven't. Really, I don't have them at the at the house. A long time. I might get some actually. Yeah. <laughs> my, 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 my I don't have addicted to kabuto noodles about those oh I've yeah, those, yeah. No, I like, what yeah, I like I about them. super noodles I, I is they, they, yeah. they turn to like mush they're so yeah, yeah. soft yeah, yeah. so it's so, so, so grim <laughs> what you mash them into a bit of toast for the fork right? it's gotta be it's gotta be um, on bread but you can't you can't, don't make a sandwich with two but it's gotta be like a fold bread you fold like it a, so it a pre-sandwich yeah. yeah so butter well it's like a fold taco like a taco yeah well, it's, it's a taco like a loose ravioli yeah it's a council house taco yeah <laughs> can I say a funny story hey, about that could be a food truck food. in Camden and you'd get away with that you'd get away with that I'm telling you, you. So, so, so my son okay he doesn't he doesn't taste chilli so I, I was the parent that when you used to go to Nando's when, when you were a very young parent, you're like, oh, thank God, we just need to be out from the house. We'll have a bit of chicken. He was the one that the, the waiters were taking pictures of having the triple X sauce oh, on his, wow. you know, yeah. like four years old. They're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so it's four year old, is it like triple X sauce? And so he's gone on. I, my, my wife puts it down to the fact that when he was born, he was born in Arizona and she used to eat all this like oh, crazy stuff. Okay, like, it could be something like that. Although she also doesn't really seem to react to spice like I do. So I think yeah. it's just a genetic thing. So anyway, so um, we, we bought these, um, these noodles Okay, mm. which are the Korean ones. You ever had the Korean ones? No, no, I don't think oh, so. Oh, my Lord. All I would say is that it Fire. comes with a little sachet, yeah, that says chili sauce. <laughs> it's not. It's pure volcanic. So as somebody who eats like, you know, who's had like superfoods, you think, oh, you just put it all in. You just... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, of course yeah, you would. Yeah. Yeah. That's made to measure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's there. You put the hot water into the line and you put it all in. So anyway, so so I we, we each had this bowl. So I'd been to the, the Chinese um, supermarket in Chinatown in London. I bought some of these for my son because he loves them. And they come back and we both sat there, put them down. And I said, right, there's yours, mate. Put it all in. So he put it all in. We sat there and literally I took a mouthful of <laughs> oh, <laughs> it was so hot I could feel you know when you spit something out and it splatters oh, on your face yeah. I could feel it like burning and he's looking again what are you doing really so, and he's just sitting there eating it that's mental and I'm like are you crazy oh. so then next week we went to a Thai festival yeah and I entered into a chili I entered a chili eating competition <laughs> yeah, yeah How I did, did. You? and he won oh. <laughs> <laughs> he won a case of Chang beer <laughs> <laughs> so he's, he's up on the stage. How old is he, Tom? 14. 14. Well, yeah, okay, so now I won the beer. Yeah. <laughs> well done, son. So, so, anyway, so he's on the stage. There's literally like 10 people up there from like little old Thai ladies. So, you know, these big old blokes and, you know, yeah. builders. Yeah, I like and, it, yeah. and, 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 and he's like this. 
Then they had, what was it called? It was like na- Napa salad. You know, basically it's like a load of um, shredded salad with about a handful of chilies bird's eye chilies on top. I mean, it's insane. Oh, God. Yeah. And, and I saw these chilies going up on stage before. <laughs> oh, oh, well is this child abuse? Is this worth the 24 pack of I don't know if it's child abuse or not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, do I want the beer? Yeah, I kind of want the beer. <laughs> anyway, so he goes up on stage. He's like this. Oh, 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 oh. Ate the whole lot. Literally. No just, way. Yeah, like I bet they couldn't oh, believe it. On stage, believe could they? it. And he had no reaction. No, no like... Nothing. He's just like, yeah, great. It's like a... Wow. It's Sometimes like a... I listen late at night for when he goes to Lou just to think... <laughs> yeah, surely but Does he feel it at the other right, end? Right, no, nope, sure nothing. I mean, really? Honestly. Does, it's like a wow, weird it's superpower. It's yeah. like, <laughs> it's like, it's like <laughs> the weirdest superpower it's in the world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway. God, amazing. Okay. So, sorry, uh, no, so my Chinese takeaway. Oh, we, I, I, I love... There's nothing dirty I, about that, well, is there? <laughs> really, from a chef's point of view? <laughs> Quite, uh, you're you're super 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 that depends where you get a it. cheap slice white. No, yeah. no, no. De- depends. <laughs> Dep- depends where you get it from. Exactly. Right, that's... Uh, I only get it from the best dirty or not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure. What's your go-to Chinese? Like? Uh, Dragon Palace, Barrett Road, Christchurch. What's your go-to dishes? Uh, I have peaking spare ribs. Yeah. Um, I used to have chicken and cashew nuts or crispy shredded beef and uh, special fried rice. Ca- chicken, cashew nuts all day long. Oh, yeah, yeah, I love yeah, chicken. Oh, so good. Could do that now. Uh, okay. I've eaten my weight. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's, uh, let's do boiling point, shall we? This is one of my favourite bits. This is where okay. our two chefs tell of the real heat of the kitchen. When have you lost your shit or someone's lost your shit on you? Uh, who wants to go first? Do you, want, do you want me to go first? Yeah. Go yeah. Do you, want, do you want me to get you some more wine? Yeah, why not? Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, this is uh, this is about a customer, and as as you know, if you anyone who listens to a lot of these podcasts, I have a lot of issues with customers because I just <laughs> I don't suffer fools. I do not suffer fools at all, and I just I, I like zero tolerance for idiots <laughs> or assholes and arrogant customers. Just we're not that kind of place. You can't yeah, play yeah. up like that. So when what was it? Um, it was a few weeks back. We had. Um, Laura was off. Um, I think she was on a hendo, friend's hendo or something. So she had the Friday and Saturday off. So I was on the, the meat and fish. And like, when I'm back on now, she like to get get everything out fast. Like, and the guys are like, what's going on here? It's normally pretty chill. And I'm just like, right, bang, bang, go, go, go. And um, like, we don't, we stop, uh, we don't take tables after half eight now. After like, say, an early lockdown thing. Mm. It used to be half nine. Now, last table was half eight. And you know, we'll always give grace time with customers. Customers, people are always late. It's nice if the phone, yeah, or email or something. But of course, yeah, you yeah. know, some people aren't that polite, are they? Um, <laughs> and I think it was well, what's, what's an implant? So, if someone's five minutes late, is that worthy of they should have called ahead? No. So we have a rule that it's like if we don't hear anything or see them in fifteen minutes, then we call. It's too uh, early to call before that, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's yeah, a bit yeah. pushy. Fifteen right. minutes, I think, especially if you're the last table. Yeah, fifteen yeah. minutes. Hi, <clears throat> just checking where you are, blah, blah. And these were the last yeah. table, and it was quarter to nine, and then uh, phoned them. Nothing. It was table four booked in. Nothing. I was like, oh, they're not going to show, are they? Fucking, I was ready to charge them. And <laughs> yeah, of course, you probably yeah. Yeah. Laptop, laptop open. Laptop yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> we'll send table four in a minute. Um, yeah, it was table four, and we do have quite a strict cancellation policy. I mean, you see how small we are with 29 covers and we don't turn. And 
you know, people don't show or, and I'm really, I'm really flexible. Say if a table of four, if they contact us in a day and say, oh, look, two of them can't make it or one of them, I wouldn't charge them. When people don't show up and they don't, when show up and it's less and they don't tell us, then I'll, I'll charge or I'll put mm-hmm. on a bill because yeah, yeah. it's, it's more of a, just stuff the fucking courtesy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. So they were late anyway, like they came. So yeah, what time, phoning what time are we talking now? After they, it was like, they just, they parked over the road and sort of walk in, not strolling, yeah, <laughs> about, five to nine and it's 25 minutes no like oh sorry we're late nothing just walked in three of them sat down there's three of them and then you uh obviously you don't go because they're late you think one other person's running late you don't yeah, go yeah. over and say where's the other one do you yeah, see sure. we're waiting longer we're waiting longer and like give them menus and doing them drinks and everything i was like jack fucking what's going on come on come on we're fucking like we've sent like most of the restaurant yeah. and he goes to us like oh we um how long on the other person they're like oh they're not coming Oh, I was fucking fuming. Jack come over. He told me he's like, "Don't worry, I'm going to tell on. Don't worry." <laughs> so he told he told him he's like, "Oh yeah, this." Uh, he's like, "Yeah, unfortunately, as it's not much notice, we've prepared all the food and it's last day. We we're going to have to charge it was fifty five pound for that yeah, that yeah. person." Yeah. And he was just like, "Yeah, that's fine." But didn't even look at Jack. He's like, "Say you're Jack there oh. and just give him that." He went, "Yeah, that's fine." Oh. And this is a young lad, about twenty five ish, with two girls. Thought he was the boy, oh, and he was yeah. just like, "Yeah, it's fine." <laughs> like waved him away and I saw it and I'm just like boiling my it's like why do you have to be like that you know you get your gun and then <laughs> yeah it was ready um, yeah and then so I've said to the guys right this is going to be a record time this meal I don't I don't give a fuck this is going quick normally people sit table of three or four be about three three and a half sometimes four hours if wow. they're really yeah that's themselves. a long time when you think about it yeah yeah this was an hour and 20 minutes <laughs> i fucking it was like i've got the fish in the pan so like, clear like, pour the wine and clear them the fish is about two minutes off and they're like but yeah so like, look they finished cutting this down like boom, boom oh my boom. god just because they were so like rude and that like the food i would never ever like like compromise give the food. Them compromise yeah. the food yeah. ever. Yeah, yeah. It was still just as good. It was just really fast. <laughs> but anyway, this this arsehole, it gets to the end, gets to the bill at the end. And obviously Jack's put the 55 quid on and the rest of the bill. And the guy wouldn't even look at him. It's probably because he got indigestion. <laughs> 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 he's like oh god I'm lit <laughs> and um, yeah wouldn't even look at Jack Bill and just gets his phone to tap <laughs> didn't go through oh no and then the guy and then considering oh, he went no. earlier no yeah no problem 50, 55 quid like yeah. fuck you hello <laughs> and, then, and then he's like it must be your machine it must be your machine Jack's like and, um, maybe it is, but it, it's worked fine all night for the other ten fucking table. So, so I've had um, six, sir. They don't and work. he's like, get, <laughs> he gets the card out that's linked to it. Does the card? Card declined. It was fucking oh. beautiful. So one of the girls had to pay. Oh, no, no. <laughs> Honestly, oh, I was loving it. Poor lad. Oh, like, you're buzzing. That's the you know those customers that treat you like that. They're the ones you want the card to decline <laughs> yeah. on. Not the nice, sweet old lady. No, or something. It's, it's them. Oh mate, that is beautiful. Yeah. What a story. Beautiful. Okay, James. Have you I got... don't know how I can compete with that. Oh really. no, yeah, I'm sure you were. Know. You were the Savoy for how many years? <clears throat> I've got a lot of stories from the Savoy. A lot of them come with the racing. But um, yeah, <coughs> you don't have to name names. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, I think I'll tell the one. I was going to tell the one about the fish moose, but I'm going to tell the one about um, the holiday requests. Oh, okay, okay, great. So, so when I when I was um, back at the Savoy back in what year was it? So I was there from '94 to. 
just about the middle of 99, right? And and the Savoy is one of those places, I mean, I did my apprenticeship there, Anthony Lederman was a head chef, and it was a time when London was one of those places where as a chef, you kind of went around the houses. You went to different hotels, different restaurants that were of note to get certificates or yeah. you know references and all that to, Bit of to sort of build up your CV. Yeah. And, um, and the Savoy was one of those places you went there for a year. It was known as one of the toughest um, uh, kitchens in London. When I arrived there at 16, there was 136 chefs in the kitchen, which is insane. I mean, mm. I don't know how wow. many. It's unheard of now, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty crazy. So, so, you know, on, on, each, on each section, so you had the potage, the hot fish, the sauce, the veg, the, the roast, you had the hors d'oeuvre on the other side, you had the grill, you had the, the butchery, the larder, the cold fish, and then downstairs was the, was the pastry. And I think I'd, I'd done, I'd done the, the hors d'oeuvre, I'd done the pastry, I'd done the roast, and I'd done the cold fish. And I'd just moved on to the potage. And the potage was one of those sections that I, I really enjoyed because um, usually the Italians worked on the potage because the guys that made the pasta. So halfway down, uh, uh, between the staircase, between the hot kitchen and the, the pastry, you had the pasta room. Mm -hmm. So every morning, if you're on the potage, you went to the pasta room, you start making pasta. So you make your tortellini, you make your ravioli, you make your money bags, oh, or wow. you tally tell it, everything. So you'd spend about three or four hours in there every day making all your pasta, and then you bring it up ready for service, you put it with your mise en place, and the other guys are upstairs making all the consommes and you know, blanching cannellonis and all that sort of stuff. And, and one of the guys that I was working with was this incredible Italian guy who's from Northern Italy. And I got on with him really, really well. And, um, and, and we had one of the most fantastic, you know, when you meet somebody at work and you just think, stunning, you know, like <laughs> yeah, great yeah, guy, yeah. really yeah. talented chef. He'd worked in a couple of style places out in, in, in uh, Italy and he'd come over to do his year at the Savoy. His English wasn't great. Right, mm -hmm. as as is most of the Italians that were working at the time, <laughs> they understood about fifty percent of what you said to them, which is fine. But you know, the, that that's just the way it was, and and um, it was one of those sort of situations where he was supposed to have put in his holiday form, right. okay, because oh. he wanted to go home for holiday, and he hadn't realised he was supposed to do it at least two weeks before he was going to take the holiday. So I, I remember the potage was right in front of Anton Adam's office. Okay, and, um, and and I remember him coming up to me and saying, oh, James, James, you know, um, I, I, I need to go on holiday. I said, well, have you done your form? And he said, he said, no. I said, mate, what are you oh, talking no. about? You're not going to be able to go on holiday. He goes, no, fuck that, I'm going on holiday. I'm like, no, 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 honestly, you're not going to. He said, I said, you're going to have to go and talk to chef. And he's like, no, I'm not going to talk to chef. <laughs> he's not going to let me go. I said, well, if you want to go without losing your job, you're going to have to go and talk to him. So anyway, so he goes in the office, oh, right? God, and, can you imagine and, that feeling like, and, oh. and you just see like them going at it, ba 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 ba, and, and it comes out, and he's like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> and I was like, well, look, let's do tonight's service, and, and we'll see how it goes. Now, yeah. as we all know in service, you'll either have the best service, yeah. you'll have the worst service. <laughs> yeah. There's never really a sort yeah. of like in between. It's either a good service or a bad service. No, no, no. That's a good point. It was a good service or it was a bad service. Yeah, and that yeah. was always the way it was. And um, that night was a particularly bad service. Like <laughs> right. We ran out of quite a few bits of pasta oh, um, and, and uh, quite a few select words were said throughout the course <laughs> oh, of, yeah. of the evening. Oh. So at the end of it, I think somebody turned around and said, you can go forget your effing holiday. Oh, <laughs> and, God. and he just went, he, he turned around and said, no, you can watch me take my effing holiday. And he took his hand and he put it in the middle of the bullseye. What? 
Yeah. What? <laughs> what do you and mean? He lifted it up, and I can still remember oh. the sight of his skin stuck <laughs> to the middle of the bullseye, like burning. And he went, I'm going to the doctor's. <laughs> oh my God. And he ran out oh, like this, like this, literally gone. Never saw him again, ever. <laughs> he didn't even come back. Mate, so that is he might as well have just walked out. Just stood a run out yeah. with his skin intact. Exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and just, I'm going. <laughs> and, and, and he just thinks himself. I mean, it could what? be a theatre, but... Just go home. <laughs> that is absolutely yeah. incredible. That was the craziest thing, I think. Well, one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Yeah. No. I thought you were yeah. just going to say he, he just, like, quit on him, but the no. fact... I mean, it's sort of genius, like, because it's going <laughs> to... Well, it, weird, yeah. it wasn't genius. We had to smell, smell the smell of his hand. We were scrubbing the bullseye later. Oh, <laughs> God, his fingerprints are good. Yeah. Oh. That's insane. Yeah, so, what a story. Wow. Yeah. Mental. Oh, I love it. it Smell like pork. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate. Wow. Great story. So that was his boiling point. Yeah. Fucking yeah. hell. Jesus. <laughs> right. Um, okay. Before we uh, before we go, cooking hacks and myths. Uh, so, any advice you can give to uh, esteemed chefs in their kitchens for little hacks that will help them out, or any myths you want to dispel, like things people should stop doing because it makes no sense. So, all. so actually, this is quite. This is, if I go first, so, yeah, so, yeah, so yeah, basically, right. I, yeah. <coughs> excuse me. I recently went down to Poor Thinny Shellfish down in Cornwall. So, so we do like this producer visits with our with our chefs. I took my head chefs from the west down to Poor Thilly and they. They, they produce some of the most incredible oysters. I mean, Paul uses them and, and Rick best loves them. The best in the country. Honestly, really? the, the most amazing. Incredible. But, mm. but I I worked at Jay Sheiky's, so I was sous chef at Jay Sheiky's for six years, and we were best fish restaurant in the country. We took the, the award away from Stein back in the, the early 2000s, and it was mm. something that we were all very big about. Yeah. And we used to enter the Bebendum Oyster Opening ah, competition, yeah. right? And um, and we also do very well at it, but but I went to visit this uh, this oyster farm. The guy that runs it, he said, um, we, we all stood there. So all the, hef- she- the chefs are stood there, and he said to me, he said, so we all know the easy way to open an oyster, don't we? And I'm like, oh, yeah, of course. You don't <laughs> just knife it, yeah. crack it. Yeah. He said, what from the back? I'm like, yeah. He goes, God. He goes, what do, you, do your wrist not hurt at the end of it? Like, well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a bit. A bit. He goes, right. So I'll show you something. So <clears throat> you hold the rock oyster with the hinge behind you and the rock oyster there. On the right hand side of the oyster, you literally scrape the side of it off. It produces a little hole just big enough to put your oyster knife in. You put it in, you lift the. Really? It, and it's done. No way. Literally three seconds. I need to get some oysters. So you're holding it in your So you're holding there. your hand yeah. and you've got the hinge so at the So where back. you'd normally go in. Yeah, where you'd usually go in. You move around to the side, you scrape off the side of the shell and it exposes a tiny little air hole where it opens up. <laughs> you literally slide your knife in and you go, bop. And, How many and all of us stood there went, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> And I'm surrounded by chefs that work for some of the most incredible chefs in the country, right? All look at us and go, <laughs> oh, no. That's brilliant. How I'm, many I'm, hundreds or thousands of voices I'm, would I'm, you have? Millions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Million. And but just, was there a knack to it though? Like, is it yeah. one of those things? Was, yeah. You know, especially because I'm not the tallest. You kind of have to get up. It's all in the exactly. shoulder when yeah. they're small. Yeah. Then, then you're trying to, you're trying to pop it, and then you break the shell. Yeah. Oh, oh, you know, but yeah, literally. Or you, you dig it into your hand. Yeah. You literally just scrape off the side of the oyster, and you just go pop, oh, and it opens. It's mad. I'm gonna get but, some in. Do it on social media and claim it's mine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, Guys, check this out. Quick, do this. <laughs> Daniel, Daniel. <laughs> Quick question though. Is there, a, is there more of a knack to it though? Does it take a few to get that right? Because that makes it sound very easy, but was it really easy? He did it really easy. Really? Yeah. So basically all he did was he yeah. took the oyster knife, he scraped off the side of the oyster yeah. and he just, just pops went, open went, basically. No wow. way. Yeah. Well, this has got to be I everyone. So cool. <laughs> there might, well, there might be people listening right now that are going to do that job today. Yeah. So please film yourselves or yeah, take uh, pictures of yourselves. Now you get on. Send us, send us stuff because we want to see how that works. My out. hack is nowhere near as good as that. <laughs> oh, what have you got? It was. It, I saw it on TikTok. Was, That's quite a cool little. <laughs> You're so down with the kids, mate. Somebody who's not even a chef or anything. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's all, all right. Because um, microplanes are great, right? Yeah. yeah. And when you grate ginger on them like nothing comes out and you have to scrape it yeah if you freeze the ginger and then do it, it comes out like parmesan oh, and nothing cool. all clunged, oh, yeah. plunged in the bottom oh, it's course, yeah. all just like oh, everything no cool. loss mm. no scraping yeah that's the it. one thing that bugs me even with garlic as well where it all gets caught around the holes of things yeah. and all smitty yeah. ginger's and so stringy like picking yeah, out my yeah, finger yeah. and it's all yeah. like annoying with ginger being one. stringy that's yeah. like and it is a difficult one, but yeah, freeze it and it's great. Honestly, Parmesan. Oh, like, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's really cool. Love it. These might, yeah, are the best, yeah. this is like the best <laughs> cookie hacks we've ever done on this show. I mean, we should never do it again. Uh, oh, amazing. What an episode this has been. Thanks again to Guzborns uh, for providing us with tonight's nightcap. Please visit their website now, guzborn.com to find out more about their special vintages. Wherever you are, however you're listening, thanks so much for downloading. And James, it's been an absolute pleasure having you here. Thanks so much for coming. Pleasure. Thanks for having um, me. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks again for downloading the Nightcap. And if you loved listening as much as we love doing it, please do spread the word. Help others find it by leaving a rating and review now on iTunes. You can do that via your podcast app. We'll also find the three previous series of the show. For more content videos, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the Nightcap underscore pod. And very soon we'll be launching our brand new YouTube channel, where for the first time we'll be putting up every episode of the series for you to watch if you'd rather see our rosy cheeked faces. Enjoy! Enjoy!